front lines, care saving lives every day, all day, every day, and it's hard on them. I overdosed myself. I was lucky. I was with a roommate too. I wouldn't be here right now. It's Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5. I'm Lucas Anders. Joining us here is Colin Askey, director of the documentary Love in the Time of Fentanyl. Colin spent many years highlighting the importance of humane policies and its positive impact on drug users. His film recently screened at the Metro Cinema here in Edmonton, and you can catch select screenings here in Canada and in Calgary on April 1st. Welcome to the show, Colin. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. We're so thrilled to have you here with us. Can you tell us a little bit about Love in the Time of Fentanyl and what viewers might expect from the film? Sure, yeah. So Love Love in the Time of Fentanyl is an observational documentary. There's no interviews or anything. This was like a fly on the wall and tried to take an audience inside what it's like to be on the front lines of this overdose crisis in Vancouver's downtown east side. And it's set in the Overdose Prevention Society. And just follows a few of the staff there as they fight to save lives and keep their loved ones safe, as well as the the burnout that comes along with being on these front lines every day. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of very difficult things that people see. Your film sites that people get involved in this kind of work are often impacted through family or their own experiences. Is there maybe a moment in your life that you that made you want to shine a light on the work that organizations like Overdose Prevention Society do? Yeah, in a way, I've been personally affected. Like, I had my own experience with some issues when I was a teenager and was court-ordered into a a long-term abstinence-based drug treatment center, and I went on to work there. A lot of it was just based around kind of 12-step recovery model. When I moved to Vancouver to go to film school, I started working in the downtown east side, thinking that, you know, my experience, I'd be able to have a lot to offer. And I found myself working in something called harm reduction and handing out sterile syringes to people and working in Insight, the first supervised injection site in North America, and really kind of went away a lot, went against a lot of what I believed about what was addiction treatment. And I had a lot of strong kind of reactions to it but was also faced with a different reality in the downtown east side than my own background and really began to question these reactions and really opened my eyes to the different struggles that people faced, the different challenges and the societal issues that really kind of, I think, make this issue so complicated. And privileged enough to hear just so many stories from people that were living there and working there and really changed kind of my whole view on this issue. And I became a part of that community and fell in love with it. I had moved to New York in 2016, right as fentanyl was was hitting the downtown city. We kind of took over the drug supply there and we were getting calls almost weekly of people we'd known and loved that were passing away. And hearing just the stories of our friends that were still working there and what they were going through. And, and that's really, you know, what I wanted to just shine a light on and a lot of the media at the time was was focused more on on like the paramedic struggles with it and more from a viewpoint of how hard it was for them you know having to go into this community and i felt it was pretty dehumanizing really the people that were 
responding the most were the people in the community that had taught themselves to use naloxone and were creating these spaces for people to use safely and were the real first responders when it was their friends and loved ones that were, you know, overdosing on the streets. So it was that courage and resilience and the compassionate response that the leaders and the government began to follow. And it started very grassroots on the on the street level in the downtown east side. And I wanted to shine a light on that, obviously. And and I know lots of people there that were involved with the center. So that gave me not only the access, but the trust that people knew that I was going to put the people's safety first and, and be respectful. You certainly did a good job of shining a light on their humanity. Why do you think people have a hard time really understanding the importance behind some of these safe consumption sites? Why do you think people struggle with that? Yeah, I think it's sort of the same thing as what I went through when I first came to that community. And I think we all have very deeply entrenched beliefs when it comes to addiction. And I think there's a long history of how drug use and drugs have been portrayed in the media. And if you get into it, it's a pretty dark history. Every Everything from the prohibition laws to the war on drugs was really created as a tool to target groups and pretty racist histories that weren't so much about the reality of drugs or the facts. It was more about just using it as propaganda and a tool to push people's own agendas and unfortunately discriminate against people. So I think it's important for people to get educated because what we've been taught is not really the real story about the history of these things. And it has led to the policies in which we're currently in that's clearly not working. We're in the U.S. We're seeing over 100,000 deaths a year now. Canada is obviously this crisis is affecting everyone. And so I think people are starting to open their eyes and say, okay, maybe it's time to try something different. But it's tough because just as I had these beliefs when I came into this neighborhood, lots of folks have those understandings of what addiction is and how it should be treated. And a lot of that comes from people's personal experiences or family members. You know, say their aunt had a drinking problem and was able to go into an AA meeting and it worked for them. I think people sometimes project those ideas onto everyone else. Well, if my aunt did it, why can't they do it and stuff like that? And they don't understand a lot of people's perspectives or histories or backgrounds. And that's what the downtown east side really did for me is just give me an understanding of, you know, what I went through as a middle class kid in Calgary is not even close to what some of the folks are dealing with in the downtown east side. And really, it's not just about addiction. It's about us as a society, it works for lots of people, but it really fails some people. And I think people in the downtown east side come from a lot of different communities that for whatever reason and whatever challenges they face, they were kind of pushed into the shadows and found themselves in the downtown east side into a community where they were accepted. And that's really what that place is for me. It's a, it's a place where no matter what's going on with you people, you could be wearing a Viking hat or have some mental illness challenges or substance use challenges or whatever have you. And and it's going to be okay there. There's going to be a place for you to get some help. And also just the fact that you're going to be accepted. So yeah, I think people's just own beliefs, you know, I think they, hopefully this film can give people an idea of that and just change the perception of who we think a drug user is, because I think it's tough to argue when we go inside this place and we see people that, maybe doing things that we're not comfortable with, such as injection drug use, 
but we also see other sides of them of, of how kind and intelligent they are and how they're saving lives really every day and doing more for their communities than most of us are. Yeah, you certainly show a lot of community and surrounding a lot of these individuals. You do a good job. Speaking of that injection side of things, I was just curious from your perspective as a filmmaker, I know you were saying it was observational. Why did you feel it was important for yourself to show that process? You show some of the individuals drug use. I was curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it was definitely a difficult decision. I wouldn't say it was so much as a decision at the time of filming. It was more like something that was offered by people that understood what I was trying to do as far as really show what it's really like in these 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 places and not try and just do anything just for the shock value of it so i think i had had that trust and the people doing it had the courage to to be vulnerable in those situations because they're very intimate moments but in the editing process yeah there were tough decisions because it's, it's usually done very badly i think it's often portrayed just for like as i said for the shock value or glamorized or made to look like or dehumanized. So it was a really, I think, a careful choice. But also I'd done lots of filming in the downtown east side previously. And a lot of it was like awareness videos and educational and stuff that really kind of tried to show how harm reduction worked in a way that didn't really show all sides. And with this film, I think that I wanted to just be honest with audiences, take them into this place. And if I'm going to ask an audience to be able to see things for the way they are. I think it's important to be honest and show things exactly as they are. And so I felt that it was important to show that. But as I was saying, it's not just about drug use in there. It's about life in there. And it's about some amazing human beings. And yes, this is definitely part of their lives, but there's a lot more to it for them. And so that's what I felt is like, hey, you know, some people that have never been in these sites and have a lot of preconceived ideas about what they might be. I wanted to be able to be honest with them and say, yes, this that is happening, but there's so much more to it. And there's so much more community and there's so much more that allows for people to, to yes, use safely and not die, but also have people in their lives that can help them when needed. Also, we see Dana inject drugs, but he's also saving lives. He's also trying to make his life better and go to treatment but it's tough it's not the reality is that probably 0.01 percent of people going to treatment that are chronic injection drug users and get recovery it's just not a reality so i think it's it's just more showing all sides of this issue no you strike a really good balance do you find it hard in terms of disconnecting from the pain that you witness through the lens of the camera because it obviously can be very difficult following these individuals on their journey even though they are finding community there's a lot of loss in there i think that was the toughest part because i worked in the community for many years as well you know and and the toughest part is always how these people are are viewed which is kind of put me over the edge always was like yes people have obvious trauma in their lives but i think that the thing I always felt with the downtown east side, there wasn't a worry of a place that and people that they could be with, you know, and that they could relate to them and that could help them in whatever way they needed at that moment. And that was the beautiful thing about that community. It just because someone couldn't be abstinent in a treatment center didn't mean that they were failures or written off. There was always a place where they could get what they needed 
and whether it be a cup of coffee or, or, or a place to sleep or just someone to talk to. But there's no denying that those stories are tough. But that never has, has ever been tough for me to hear because it's always balanced out with the resilience and courage of that person to keep going and still do amazing things and still be kind and you get to see the other side of that. But the toughest part is, you know, you're always hearing the comments in the media or this and that of the people that write these people off as problems or see their lives as failures and see the community as an issue. And that, that's what really rubs, I think, people the wrong way. And that's what burns people out the most down there is when they're working in this situation. It's obviously insanely difficult i don't want to compare it to a war zone but it's like tough to find another description that matches the constant sirens the constant life and death situations people are constantly in but working in that is tough and it's that much harder when you have people that don't understand it constantly saying that these services are not working or whatever like that and i think all people are trying to do down there is keep each other alive. They're not trying to say that this is going to end the crisis or anything like that. You know, it's harm reduction services have never pretended to do that. All they've tried to do is say, we need to reach people that aren't being reached. We need to keep people alive until we as a society figure out the structural changes that need to happen for situations like this crisis to to begin to even end. And that's a lot. It's going to take a long, hard look at ourselves, I think. Yeah, I don't think it'll be an easy journey. How do you think we can better support individuals like Ronnie, who we saw on the front line, who burnt out? Or is this just unavoidable in terms of that experience of burning out with all the weight of the things that they carry, these workers? Well, it's really complicated. And I think on one hand, we see there is funding for these services, but it's really never enough. And it's always a little too late, I think. Like, I think just in terms of how we could have avoided this crisis, we've had the evidence for many years that offering black market heroin or what's on the street, now black market fentanyl, providing spaces like the Salome Project or Crosstown Clinic in the Vancouver's downtown east side has been around for, for years. And it's been offering prescription heroin, for example, to chronic injection drug users. And in those people's lives, they've been able to not have the stress of where they're going to find money to get the next fix. And they've been able to get, you know, some, some people go back to school, some people get jobs, some people will get their families back. But most importantly, they're not, you know, having to do risky behaviors such as crime or sex work or lots of different things that have terrible consequences, not only on, on them, but as on the community. There's just all these benefits about it, really no negative consequences. And when and it helps people be in a position when they're more distressed and all that stuff is out of their lives to be able to make better decisions and whether that means recovery or whatever, it's just an improvement across the board. And we've had that evidence for years. And had we actually gone ahead and funded these programs, provided more access to them, I think we would have been in a lot different position when fentanyl came along because people wouldn't have had been forced to use black market drugs, you know. There's an example of how this could have been avoided. It's just these controversials and these ideas that we're not comfortable with as a society don't really match up with the reality of what's on the ground. And I think the voices of the people on the ground need to be lifted more and we need to follow their lead of what's actually working. 
And then as far as the support for people doing this work, I think we need to really understand the lengths people are going to on these front lines to save lives and what it's really like and more just awareness. Films like this hopefully will give people an idea. I think it's just a question of like people understanding this funding is going to places that are working and saving lives. And then the staff also need to you know, be, be better paid. There need to be better supports in place. A lot of these people are on the front lines are active drug users themselves. And the funding is so little and so complicated. They're not able to take breaks and they're not able to get vacation time or sick leave and all this sort of stuff. So there's a lot that I think needs to be done systemically that the more educated the public is, the more governments and people are allowed to rationalize the funding that is going there and get more of it. Yeah, you certainly tap into some of the solutions. I was just thinking about governments and how sometimes they get pulled into one solution when it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of situation. What are actions do you think the government can take to get on board with some of these solutions? I think we just really need to take our morality and our ideas because of what may have worked for us or people we know and really understand that Everyone's got a different path, exactly as you said. You know, I know in Edmonton, they got a health minister that was in twelve-step recovery. So it's like more treatment, more treatment, more treatment. And of course, like, hey, everyone would love that. But as the reality has shown, since drugs started being, you know, propagandized in the media, and people, there's been numerous overdose crises throughout the years, and we keep doubling down on the same solutions that aren't working and treatment works for some people and that's amazing and that's awesome but it definitely is not working for most people that's the reality so i guess there's many different ideas of treatment and that's what we have to accept and it's not all abstinence-based for example norma in the film is probably and i say this with absolute truth not trying to be you know blow fluff up anyone you know whatever is literally one of the kindest most compassionate human beings i've ever met and life that she's been through hell, like yeah, unbelievable things like, you know, part of the 60s scoop where she's literally kidnapped from our own government, you know, and then and not just, you know, from a child all the way up and what she's had to deal with. And she was able to come off heroin, but she still smokes crack and, and drinks, you know, and we as a society think that's a failure, but that's what has worked in her life. And she's, you know, cooks meals for her staff. She smiles. She puts a smile on everyone's face. She saves lives. She's just an amazing person. So if we lose the stigma around what, you know, is right and wrong and what is treatment and what is recovery, we can really find ways to really what, what is going to make someone's life better and really work with that. There's so many evidence-based options out there. And I think the more educated we are, because this is not just, these aren't new ideas. They've been around for a long time in Europe and in Canada, even in the downtown east side, as I was mentioning, with these prescription heroin programs, the more we educate ourselves and look, okay, what is the research? What does it say? Maybe this is an option for this person. And maybe there's something different for the next person. And quit just really instilling our own morality onto other people's lives. So you've taken love in the time of fentanyl to many communities facing similar challenges to Vancouver, including here in Edmonton and across Alberta. How do you think audiences have reacted to your film and and what do you find they typically take away from it? Well, it's been just such an amazing experience with that. We premiered in Vancouver at DOXA and an amazing theater 
that is that like the SFU kind of building or whatever in the downtown east side. So it was really right in between me. And that was pretty nerve wracking for me because this is such a sensitive subject and such a vulnerable community that I was really hoping that I was doing them justice and doing them proud. Just having it there and then having such a you know, response and having people thank me, you know, that we're working at the ops and saying this is the first time it feels like it's been captured to what it's really like, really meant meant the world. And that's kind of where we started. And since then, it's been harm reduction orgs and people doing similar work have really been saying, hey, finally, there's something that like acknowledges what we're doing here. And people have been really feeling seen and being able to use it as a tool. And that's been just super heartwarming and uh, just been super grateful that it's been able to to become that and the biggest surprise is in the u.s here i was i didn't know what to expect with audiences and it's been playing everywhere from texas to south carolina places where i thought there'd really be some shocked audiences but i think this this crisis is just devastating so many people and there's just so much loss and there's so much grief that people are really starting to want some different way of doing things and really opening their eyes to these things and there wasn't that many really strong reactions i would say like 99 percent of people are like why do you not have these here in the u.s or have more of them in the u.s you know so that's been amazing and i had a lot of worry about that and about how it would be received and these services are controversial and they get attacked and i was worried that people would would take the film and use it in a negative way or as a way of saying, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. And it really hasn't done that. And audiences have really been supportive and wanting to use this and use it as an example of what we need more of. Yeah, you capture that community and love and support that many of these communities have to face a lot of hard things. So I just wanted to thank you for your insights today and creating room for those important conversations. Thank you so much for having this. And this is a real honor for me to be able to just talk about this and have people interested in this issue and help shed light on it. Colin Askey is a director of Love in the Time of Fentanyl, an intimate portrait of drug users, family and friends who are banding together to find solutions for the overdose crisis on the ground. A film that aims to go beyond the stigma and truly captures the spirit of that community working towards healing. You can catch it in Calgary on April 1st and across Canada with select screenings. I'm your correspondent for Moving Radio, Lucas Anders. Stay breathing there, champ. Let's remember where we are. Our community has endured a crisis and so many of us chose to respond. We keep our community safe, we keep our loved ones alive, and in sharing our compassion and wisdom, we become world changers, each of us here.